uh, better together and as we podcast for future reference as we as an ASWE stands for the Alzheimer's Society of Windsor and Essex County. This podcast will feature engaging conversations with guests ranging from community leaders to care partners and persons living with dementia to raise awareness about this disease. You're listening to Better Together and As We Podcast, and this is our 10th episode. My name is Cindy Keel, and I'm joined today by Maggie. Maggie is the Program Manager, Provincial Programs and Partnerships with Alzheimer's Society Ontario. Thank you so much, Maggie, for virtually being here with me today. I'm very excited to be here, so thank you for having me. So I just want to start off and... Uh, I want you to talk a little bit about yourself, how you be, uh, came into this position uh, with Alzheimer's Society Ontario. Yeah, um, so I've worked for the Alzheimer's Society for over five years now, with the majority of that time actually spent working the front line as a public education coordinator in Elgin County. I did recently transition, uh, taking a position as the programs manager, provincial programs and partnerships with the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario. In this role, I am the provincial lead for programs like Dementia Friendly Communities and Finding Your Way, which are programs that we're gonna be talking about today. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. <laughs> how, how long have you been in this position? I know it's very recent. Uh, right? This is really new. I'm almost at the two month mark. <laughs> and then prior to this, how long were you with Elgin for? So with Elgin, I was there for just over five years. Um, yeah. And you, I think you asked what led me to this position. Yeah. Um, so I, as I mentioned just now, I have been working for the Alzheimer's Society for over five years. Um, I stumbled into working for the Alzheimer's Society. Uh, I have always been very passionate about creating inclusive spaces and have been doing this for the majority of my career, which actually started working with children with exceptionalities. So I've worked on the entire age spectrum at this point in my career. Mm -hmm. um, eventually I did start working for the Alzheimer's Society and my passion only grew for inclusivity here. While working for the Alzheimer's Society, I came to learn actually that both of my grandmothers were living with dementia. I didn't know that before. Uh, I had thought that they were old and forgetting things, which is a common misconception that, that folks have. So one of the stats that I learned working at the Alzheimer's Society, which was the stat was released in 2016, is that one in four people living with dementia won't share their diagnosis with friends and family solely because of stigma. And in talks with my family, I realized that we were one of those families. We didn't wanna talk about it or share it with other people because of what they might think about my grandmother um, or that they would treat her differently. And that was a really big concern for my family because they're very well known in their community. So with my personal uh, dementia journey and the stigma that's often associated with dementia, it made me want to work harder to raise awareness about dementia and that people can live well with dementia in our community um, and remain engaged in the things that they've always enjoyed doing, just with a few more supports in place. Mm -hmm. This belief uh, aligns really well with dementia-friendly communities and finding your way. Uh, so the Dementia-Friendly Communities Program educates businesses and organizations, as well as the public, about dementia and how to engage with someone who's living with dementia. While Finding Your Way, on the other hand, educates people about dementia as well, but it's more focused on the risks associated with going missing. I realized from my personal experience that these programs would mean breaking down stigma in my own community, 
so that my grandmother could live well and continue to do things that she's always enjoyed because there wouldn't be that fear or uncertainty about how to talk to her. With dementia-friendly communities, she could go to church or the grocery store and people would understand what dementia is and know how to engage with her uh, if she did become confused. With finding your way, if she were to go missing, the community would know what signs to look for and how to engage with her and bring her home safe. Mm -hmm. So what specifically is finding your way about and why is it so important for the community to know about? So as I mentioned, finding your way is a program that educates people about dementia and the risks associated with going missing and, uh, and wandering. So six out of 10 people living with dementia will go missing at some point throughout the progression of the disease, oftentimes without warning. And it can happen early on the in the disease, even before the person has a diagnosis. So when people get education about dementia and the signs of what to look for that might indicate that someone might be lost or confused, we are creating a community that can help keep those living with dementia safe. This is important because half of those who do go missing for 24 hours or more will end up seriously injured or die. It's a huge risk um, and it's really scary. Mm -hmm. The Finding Your Way program also provides resources for care partners such as identification kits, the Living Safely in the Community Guide, pre and post incident checklist, tip sheets, just to list a few. <laughs> so if the person does go missing, they have the care partner has resources and knowledge of what they need to do. It takes a community to keep someone living with dementia safe. So the more people who have awareness about dementia, the better off we all are. Mm -hmm. Now that you, the community knows a little bit about finding a way, how can they become more involved and what can they do? Great question. Uh, learning about dementia and how to engage or support someone who's living with dementia is the best thing that a person can do. We've all been there, wandering around the grocery parking lot, looking for our vehicle because we couldn't park in the same spot that we've always parked because someone took our parking spot. Wouldn't it have been nice if someone helped you? And I'm not saying that you have dementia if this has happened to you because I've been that person. I've been wandering around the parking lot like, oh my gosh, where did I park? Mm -hmm. uh, pushing my alarm button on my, on my key fob. <laughs> But what I am saying is that for those who do have dementia in our community and all of a sudden their surroundings become unfamiliar, wouldn't it be nice to know that someone is going to come and help you and that they're gonna know how to engage with you? There is online learning that's available on the Finding Your Way website, which is www.findingyourwayontario.ca. So people know what to do if they do come across someone who's lost or confused as well as other resources for the public to learn. So you and I became um, involved with one another because um, the rapid response, uh, rapid response advisory groups that uh, you put together. So can you talk a little bit about that and what is um, uh, some of the projects and, and things that are put in place for the future? Uh, well, I can't take the credit for putting this together because I really didn't. Oh. I wasn't working for ASO at that time. Um, but because of my involvement with police services, I was one of the original members of that group. And I'm so glad that this program and project has brought us together because you, I adore you. Um, <laughs> so the rapid response advisory group actually started in 2018 with specifically police services. Mm -hmm. So the Alzheimer's Society wanted to build relationships with police services from across the province to find best practices for when persons living with dementia go missing. We recognize that first responders may be engaging with our clients or people who are not our clients, but aren't our clients or who aren't our clients, but maybe should be our clients. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe they're not aware of the Alzheimer's Society or thought that they were managing just fine until this point. 
So therefore, first responders might be our referring source. Um, and so that Alzheimer's Society staff can actually step in to support their care partner instead of the first responder service. So since we started in 2018, we have done amazing work. Uh, we have the police service group who are, in, uh, who are a bunch of per, uh, police services, Alzheimer's Society uh, representatives, as well as persons living with dementia, care partners, um, and researchers who are engaged in helping to guide the work, provide feedback from frontline officers so that the resources that we create include, uh, which have been included, uh, which are education, tip cards, guides, um, they all speak to the frontline officer's experience. So it's how they speak, it's their lingo, it's what they understand. In 2021, the Rapid Response Fire Group was launched. And honestly, this team has done so much work since we launched a year ago. Yes. Not only, <laughs> which is the group that Cindy leads, so way to go, Cindy. <laughs> Not only has that group developed fire-specific education, but there's also an information sheet and tip card that go along with that education. So that's a lot of work to accomplish in one year, which is amazing. Later this year, we're going to be launching the EMS group, um, which will focus on doing work that's specific for EMS services. We recognize that while first responders are all engaging with people living with dementia, their experience is going to be a little bit different. That's why we felt it important that there were three separate groups created so that each resource or material is catered to their unique experience. And my hope <laughs> is that we continue to build on these materials that are created and continue to build relationships with more and more first responders across the province because the needs are gonna be different in each community and the work is always changing and evolving. And we need to ensure that as the Alzheimer's Society, we are there to support our first responders uh, to act as and act as a resource for them. No, I really enjoy um, the rapid, being a part of the rapid response advisory group because I feel like the societies that all work together, we have so much to offer, and there's just so many different personalities. It's so diverse, and um, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And I can't believe it's been a year already. I know <laughs> it flies and even the like the first responders that we have sitting on the table they're just so engaged and really want to make a difference in their community um, and and really want to be there to learn more about dementia and how they can better serve their communities it's it's an amazing group that I'm so I feel so lucky to be a part of mm -hmm. and I can't wait for like the community to know more about it and just I just want them to hear about it because it's it's all great work that we've been doing. Absolutely. <laughs> so going back to uh, dementia-friendly communities, I want you to touch a little bit about um, or more about what dementia-friendly communities is and um, how it uh, came about like for Ontario or Canada. Yeah. Uh, so dementia-friendly communities is a program that works with businesses, organizations, and the community to provide education and tips for when engaging with somebody who is living with dementia. Dementia-friendly communities actually started in Japan, uh, and it has become an international program with the UK, Australia, and the US leading a lot of the work that is being done. Canada also is doing a ton of work, um, and I'll talk about that in a, in a second, but um, we're, the, those are definitely three countries that have been leading the way when it comes to dementia-friendly communities. The goal of the program is to ensure that our communities, which include businesses and organizations, have the knowledge about how to support someone who's living with dementia, 
uh, who walks into their front door uh, in the, and support them in the most positive and inclusive way. So like, what are some of the organizations that you know of that have um, took on this initiative or have been doing continuous training? Great question. Um, so we have worked with banks, uh, MP, MPP offices, pharmacies, um, recreation places. So we have a theater, um, we have a, the y, YMCA in St. Thomas and Elgin. Um, we have a lot of really amazing community partners. We have an art gallery that came on board. Um, and it's always amazing to listen to their experience. And, and I had, a, actually, I had a conversation recently. We have the St. Thomas Public Library is a dementia-friendly organization in Elgin County. Um, and I was talking to them about some of the work that they're doing currently. And one of the projects that they took on doing after getting their education was to create cognitive care kits that people could actually take out from the library um, because they recognized that for care partners having that resource and um, would really benefit um, because as the Alzheimer's Society you know we want to be providing those programs and those services but we don't always have the capacity so it was a really great partnership that came about from this education uh, and I'm so grateful that they jump on board to do these uh, projects with us um, because it really does benefit the community in so many ways. That's amazing. Wow. Did they, did, yeah. did they start on that yet or is it in the, in the works? Yep. Yeah, it was launched actually last year. Um, so in St. Thomas, <laughs> if anyone from your listening areas in St. Thomas, you can go to the St. Thomas Public Library and they, you can take out one of their cognitive care kits. I think they have six kits now wow. developed. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's a really cool program. <laughs> From your personal experience, what do you find are the most uh, important tips and tricks for building a dementia-friendly community? So the first tip or thing that I would suggest for anybody, um, and not just folks, like for any person who, I, who will listen to me talk, um, is to learn about dementia. When you learn about dementia, you are learning about some of the challenges that a person is going to face or, and how you can help to support them. So contacting your local Alzheimer's society uh, to attend webinars or other learning opportunities that are being offered is so, so important. There's also great online learning if that's something that you're able to access. In fact, in December, the Dementia Friendly Communities Canada project launched online learning modules that are available for anyone to take on Alts Educate. Um, the learning modules are designed for specific sectors that want to learn more about dementia and how to make their physical space more inclusive. So that's the first thing, so learn about dementia. The second thing that I would say, uh, the tip that I would give is about communication. One of my favorite quotes that I found early on when I started working for the Alzheimer's Society says, a person living with dementia's well-being is always either enhanced or diminished by how we choose to relate to them. This spoke to me <laughs> when I first read it. And honestly, having a grandmother who's living with dementia, it continues to ring true for me. We are the ones who have the healthy brains and we are the ones who have to make the accommodations because their brains just can't do that anymore. So quickly, I'm going to give some communication tips. <laughs> yes, go right ahead. Um, when approaching, approach from the front and get into their line of sight before speaking to them. 
Uh, as the disease progresses, you need to introduce yourself, even if you think the person knows you, um, so that they don't have to guess you are. So I do this with my grandmother and oftentimes she's like, yes, I know, dear. Um, <laughs> but I know for her brain, especially as it progresses, um, as I indicated with my other grandmother who's passed, she didn't know who I was for the last couple of years of her life. And so that cueing actually was really helpful for her. Speak slowly and clearly, keep your sentences short and simple. And finally, don't ask the person if they remember something, uh, whether it be who, who you are, <laughs> what they ate that day or where something is. Mm -hmm. As this disease progresses, short-term memory is impacted and they can't recall that information anymore. So follow what the person's lead is in their, and what they wanna talk about. Um, the last tip that I'm going to give is look around the space that you're in. Uh, even your house, right? We talk about with dementia-friendly communities, we talk to a lot of businesses and organizations, but you can have a dementia-friendly space within your house too. So if you have somebody who's living with dementia and going to be coming into your space, um, there are some th changes you can make to your physical space to be more inclusive. So thinking about things like lighting, making sure that there aren't shadows or dark spaces, um, mat or rug placement, they can be a tripping hazard for someone who's living with dementia, or if it's a black rug, the person may think that it's actually a hole. So they might try and move around the, uh, the, the mat instead of walking over top of it. And so removing mats or rugs uh, where you can is really helpful. And then finally, background noise. So a person living with dementia will have difficulty filtering out background noise, such as TV or radio, um, from what it is that you're trying to say to them. So also thinking about if there's other people in the space having a conversation, they're also going to struggle to listen to what you're saying. So limiting as much background noise as possible is going to set the person up for success in communication. Those are all really great um, tips and tricks. And I feel like you saying some of those, a lot of people were like, oh, I didn't even think of that, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And it, that's the thing about dementia-friendly communities is it's not like completely tearing down your house and starting all over again. There are little things that you can do to really help a person who's living with dementia, such as like putting a red elastic on the hot tap and a blue elastic on the cold tap. <laughs> yep, just those simple changes can help. Um, so the name of our podcast is Better Together. From your perspective, what does that mean to you? I really like this name. <laughs> Um, I think that it can mean so many things. And for me, when it comes to dementia, we really are better together. As I said earlier, it takes a community to support someone who's living with dementia. And I think the name better together truly highlights that. So kudos to whoever came up with it. If it was you, Cindy, good work. <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm, I'm so happy you said that because like, even, um, with me working here for, remotely in Windsor and you're, you know, um, in Elgin, um, I just feel like I can, you know, reach out to you for help and you, you're all, you always have the answers. If you don't have the answer, you'll find it out for me. <laughs> and it's just so cool that we can bounce off of each other. Like I, and I need, and I'm so grateful for your help, um, with the programs that I'm running and with the Raptor Response Advisory Group. So thank you so much for that. Thank you. Thank you. And I think what you just highlighted is so important, right? When we think about a dementia friendly community um, is that ability to reach out to other people when we don't know, right? Because the thing is, is we can't know everything, even, you know, you reach out to me because you think I know a whole bunch of things, but I don't <laughs> know everything. And so um, I think there, 
really looking at, and, and the thing with dementia is that one person experience is going to be so different from another person's experience. And so, you know, what worked for me with my one grandmother may not work with my other grandmother, um, or what works well with my grandmother may not work with somebody else's person who's living with dementia. And so, and everyone's experience is so different. And so it really is the more ideas that we can pull together and be like, Hey, I tried this or, Hey, this worked for me, or, Hey, this is something that I took into consideration when I was doing this. Um, you know, even like the cognitive care kits, right? Like that's something where it's an idea that happened, I think in Hamilton actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our, when we did our dementia friendly education, we were talking about it afterwards and they were like, yeah, that's something we can do. No problem. Um, and so it's, working more collaboratively as a community instead of just trying to reinvent the wheel every single time and the more ideas and the more we work together the more supportive and inclusive our communities are truly going to be yeah i i totally agree (laughs) thank you so much maggie for taking the time out of your day to do this podcast with me i would love for us to finish this podcast with some fire rapid questions these five questions are all random and will allow our audience <laughs> to get to know a little more about you. Um, can you answer these questions with one word or one sentence and there are no wrong answers? Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. Question number one. If you didn't have to sleep, what would you do with the extra time? Oh my gosh. It's so funny that that's the question. Um, you know me. I can't give one word <laughs> answers. This is going to this is going to take up the full half hour. Um <laughs> I had this, I love sleeping. Like it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I sleep for like nine, 10 hours a day. (laughs) I didn't have to sleep for that long. Like this is, and it's so funny. This was a conversation I had the other day. Um, I feel like I would be able to accomplish so many more things. Um, And so one of the things that I think I would really like to do is uh, more crafting actually. So um, I am, I call, what do I call it? I'm like a a hobby-ish person. Mm -hmm. So I have like, I've crocheted, I've painted, I've made jewelry, I've done candle making, um, but I just don't have time to like commit to doing anything for long periods of time. Uh, And so I have all the supplies to do all of these things, but I don't really do any of them. (laughs) So what would be your next craft if you did have the time? something, Mm. something new that you want to try? Uh, something new. So I recently got into jewelry making and I think that would be something it's not new, but it's Mm -hmm. new ish for me. So I think I'd like to spend a little bit more time doing that. Perfect. (laughs) Question number two, if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, this is an easy one. Pickles. Dill pickles. Pickles. Okay. Dill pickles. Yeah. Do you like Um, deep fried pickles? I do, but a lot of times, so I'm lactose intolerant. So a lot of batters will contain dairy. So I can't eat a lot of them, but, uh, no, just like a jar of dill pickles. There's, uh, I'm giving a shout out here to one of the businesses in Indian <laughs> County. Uh, there's a, a farm called house farm and they have like the best dill pickles that I've ever had. Um, I will just sit down with a jar of pickles and eat them. Yum. <laughs> Shout out to them then for the best of pickles. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Question number three, what would you, what would your perfect Sunday look like? Uh, so my perfect Sunday, I, uh, 
actually have been one of my things that I've been working on over the last couple of years is really looking at what my priorities are and what I want to do and making my week, making the most out of my time that I'm not working. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my ideal Sunday would be sleeping in until like eight, eight thirty, getting up, having a cup of coffee, um, and then going for a long run. So I am a long distance runner. I'm actually in the process of training for a half marathon right now. Um, yes, thank you. That's so amazing. Going for a nice long run on a beautiful day. Um, although my ideal running weather is like minus 15 degrees because it's nice and cold. So you don't sweat profusely as if it's like 30 above. <laughs> Um, and it's just absolutely beautiful and silent. And I love that because no so, one else is running because <laughs> no one else is outside. Cause it's so cold. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, making something that's absolutely delicious to eat, uh, when I get back, cause I also love to eat. That's my other thing. Mm-hmm. So. I love food. <laughs> Question number four, what could you give a 40 minute presentation on with absolutely no preparation? Uh, I feel like this is a bit of a a cheat, but I would say dementia. Uh, Having done five years of presentations around dementia, I feel like I've got like 16 hours worth of material in my brain that I could just stand on a stage and just talk. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) And the last question for you today is what's the best piece of advice someone has ever given you? Oh, that is a good question. I have a few that actually just came to my mind. Um, and I love quotes. So I, and I collect quotes. Um, so people send me stuff all the time. Um, I feel like probably the best piece of advice that I ever got, um, was (laughs) I'm a, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm a bit of a perfectionist. And so one of the things that uh, my mom and some of my friends have said to me over time is, if it doesn't go exactly how you have it in your mind, is anybody else going to know? And, and no, they're not, right? Um, but for me, it's like, but it's not done that way. It's not like that's not in really it's the end result. And, you know, if it's not done the way that I I would have done it, but it's done and it's good. Mm -hmm. Um, that's really what's important at the end of the day. So that's something for me of like (laughs) being able to let go and, and walk away and, and know that that's okay. Mm -hmm. That's really not good because especially during our virtual world that we're living right now, um, we're so like caught up on, you know, making the presentations perfect online and, you know, um, not missing any piece of information, but the people that we're talking to don't know, right. That we might be missing information or it, we skipped over a slide. So, um, I think you probably said that to me about once that, (laughs) so it really stuck with me and it took off a lot of pressure. It It does. Like it, I, it's something that like, you're the only one who knows all of the things that you wanted to say. Like the people who are listening are going to be taking away something from what you said. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, it's so true. It just, but I have to remind myself of that a lot. (laughs) That's really good advice though. That's really good. 
it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna stay with me now <laughs> thank you so much maggie it was a pleasure speaking with you today um i hope our listeners have gained a better understanding um, about what finding your way is about and uh the dementia friendly communities um so hey listeners my call to action for all of you how can you help Educate yourself and encourage others to do the same. Refer your circle of friends and families to our services, support our events and fundraising campaigns, and become a dementia-friendly community. Let's keep talking about dementia. Listen to new episodes on the last Friday of every month on our YouTube channel, Alzheimer Windsor. Don't forget to subscribe. Help for today, hope for tomorrow, and remember, we are better together. Thank you so much, Maggie. Thank you so much, Cindy, for having me. It was a pleasure. It was so (laughs) nice talking with you today.